0: ...perhaps the tattooed identity numbers of the concentration camp victims. Others were stragglers from further east, uprooted by the invading Stalinist forces and flung helter-skelter westward. Few families were intact. Husbands sought wives, wives, children, children, parents. Mornings in the camp were scarred by the wails rising from the Red Cross center when the daily reports confirmed that those being sought were no more. Such camps were seas of humanity, encircled by barbed wire. There was never enough room, or food, or medicine, or news from the lands now suffering under Stalin's mighty fist. By midwinter the number of homeless refugees in the American sector of the former Third Reich had risen to more than two million. The French sector had been similarly inundated. The spring thaw had reduced the sentry's path to a muddy bog, "'Jake and Pierre stayed on the grassy verge "'and picked their way carefully as they skirted the camp. "'Jake resisted the urge to return the never-ending stairs "'from behind the fence. "'As they rounded the corner, "'a cry from somewhere inside the camp made Jake wince. "'No matter how often he heard the sound, "'he could not become hardened to the tragedy "'of another refugee's loss of hope. "'He steeled himself and continued onward.' Until he realized that Pierre was no longer at his side. Jake turned around to find his friend staring at the fence with a gaze of hollow agony. Again there was the cry, and this time Jake heard it as a name Patrick! Pierre recoiled as though taking the blow to the heart. Jake spotted a girl struggling through the dense lines of bearded men and kerchiefed women waiting for food. The people were reluctant to let her through, both because of their obvious hunger and because a step in the wrong direction meant moving off the boardwalk and stepping into the mud. She ignored their complaints and curses, shoving and wriggling and fighting toward the fence. "'Patrick!' Pierre moved toward the fence, did not notice where he stepped, and sank to his knees in the bog. The girl extricated herself from the final line and promptly slipped and fell headlong into the wire." She scarcely seemed to notice. Even before the fall was complete, she was battling to right herself. Her feet spun for a hold in the slick mud. The front of her dress was encrusted. Dirt streaked her dark hair and painted one emaciated cheek. Finally, she recovered her footing and flung herself at the fence. She thrust her face and one hand through the wire and screamed in a broken voice, ''Patrick!'' A sentry called out a warning and started forward. Pierre barked out a command in French, but did not seem to have the strength to free himself from the bog. Jake walked over and offered a hand. What's going on? Pierre accepted the help without really seeing. He mumbled something in French. His eyes fastened on the screaming girl. Try it in English, buddy, Jake told him. Pierre swung around, seeming to have trouble remembering who Jake was. Then he said in a benumbed voice, Patrick was my brother. CHAPTER TWO Jake sat in the corner of what once had been Colonel Beecham's office, but now belonged to Pierre Servet. The former American base at Badenburg was presently a central French garrison, with Pierre as acting commandant. Pierre sat behind his desk, his hands shaking so hard he could scarcely bring the cup to his lips— Jake watched him listen to the girl's story, hoping that Pierre would begin to recover from the shock of having heard the young girl call out his dead brother's name. But if anything, Pierre was becoming continually more distraught. The young French major winced at the girl's voice. His own questions were hoarse and hesitant. The girl was barely able to speak around her tears. It was hard to tell her age because she suffered from the refugee's most common ailment, desperate hunger. The skin of her face was like dry parchment, stretched tightly over bones of bird-like fragility. Her brown eyes watched a strange and dangerous world from dark-lined cavities, yet her whole being burned with an intensity that belied her frailty. Jake imagined that, given a chance to recover, she would emerge as a raven-haired beauty. Seventeen, Jake decided, listening to her continue the halting discourse with Pierre, maybe a year older she spoke german with the lilting tone he had come to recognize as the result of speaking yiddish at home neither her sadness nor the urgency of her words could obscure her voice's music